I was going to rap, but. Um, well, I, I love that. I mean, what a great, great message for us to think through today. I think, you know, as we think of moms, uh, you know, one of the things about our moms is we, I think if we're, we're honest with ourselves and uh, as kids, what we know is our moms, they, they want what's best for us. And so they, they mother us and sometimes they smother us and uh, they do what they have to do. But they, at the heart of it is they, they want to help us become the best version of ourselves that we can become. And, and in some ways, I think that parental instinct that we have as parents for our kids is we, we, in some ways, we uncover something so profound about who God is and what it means to be in a relationship with him. Because I think what we see more and more in scripture is this idea that as we enter into God's family, what God wants so deeply for us is, is for us to become truly alive, to become the best versions of ourselves. And so he's always working in our lives He's always, he's always coming alongside of us and, and, and calling us, as Matt uh, led us earlier, he's calling us to return to him. Or he's, he, he's pushing us forward and challenging us to go after something that would be so good for us, that even though it scares us to, uh, to death. All these things for us to take on more and more the character of, of himself. And, and the series that we're going through, as we talk about being confident and, and unashamed, uh, we're, we're looking at a letter that was written by John, who was a friend of Jesus, an, an apostle, a, a sent one, a, uh, one of his, his early disciples and leaders. And John writes this letter because he's trying to develop Christians uh, and, and develop in them uh, uh, Christ-likeness. More and more, we become like Jesus uh, himself. And he speaks of this and he, he challenges this, this kind of work to happen because he believes that, that something is going to happen. Something important, a, a, a meeting that is going to happen. And in 1 John 2.28, this is a, a memory verse that we're giving you for this, these five weeks. We're asking you to, encouraging you, uh, these three lines here to, to, to memorize these because it, it's so important. It speaks of something that's going to happen in the future and it speaks of uh, of what we, we should do to get ready for it or why we should get ready for it. And he says, and now, dear children, continue in him. Continue in him. Why? So that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Notice this. You see this verse up on the screen. There's two words he says. He says, when he appears. That word appears means this. It's the same word that John used to, say, to talk about Jesus when he came the first time. And he's saying this. Just as he came the first time, he is coming again. And then he ends it with this word, at his coming. And that word, that phrase there, at his coming. It's the idea of a, a king and his court coming into a city and there's a, there's a processional and there's celebration and there's joy and there's triumph. It's this wonderful reunion. This is what John wants. So he says, continue in him. Why? So when he comes, he's coming again. So when that time comes, it is the celebration. It is, it is us throwing our arms around him and, and rejoicing that we're together, that we're home. Uh, some of you... Uh, some of you have seen, you've done this uh, to your own peril. You've, you've gone on YouTube and you've typed in military reunions, right? And you've watched these reunions of kids and their parents and the kids don't know their parent is going to be there at that whatever the thing is. And, and all you have to watch is literally 30 seconds of these and you start getting teary-eyed. I don't care how 
macho you think you are. I, let, me just, let me just practice this. Watch this one. Okay. Try and describe this and not fall to pieces while doing so. This is Major Robert Sides of the Air Force. His son doesn't know that he is back from a tour of duty until now. been gone for a year. Now think about this. This this kid, okay? I mean, TJ, can you imagine how, like how I mean, you lost it, right? You okay, go ahead. Wipe your tears. Uh, <laughs> I've watched that thing like, I don't know, uh, 50 times. I still, every time, the moment his jaw, the kid's jaw drops, I'm like, oh man, he did it again. Um, But think about this. You're you're a 10-year-old kid and you're at your favorite baseball stadium. There's 40,000 people. And of all the 40,000 people, you get to throw out the first pitch. I mean, talking about thrill of a lifetime. And all of that fades away in a moment when he sees his dad and, and they're reunited and he, he loses. He loses sight that there are all these people are watching. All he cares about is that one thing, embracing his dad, enjoying him. And he kind of looks up at him and he just realizes, I can't believe this is happening. I, I can't believe how real this is. And, and in the same way, this is what John is saying. He's saying, do you, do you know he's coming? And when he comes, when he pulls the catcher's mask off, I want, you to, I want that to be one of those things where you lose sight of everything else that's going on and all you can think about is running into his arms and embracing him confidently, unashamed. So he says this idea that, that one of two things is going to happen. Either at his coming, you are going to want to embrace him confidently, unashamed, or that you would be ashamed. And the idea of being ashamed is that you would, you would shrink away in fear. And John's hope is, and his command is, continue in him, stay with him, abide in him, remain in him, so that when that day comes, you won't shrink away. You won't hide. When I was nine I mean, I, I dreamed of being a pro baseball player, so I, I, I would practice, and I was sitting in my living room, and I was taking the ground ball, and I'm pretending to throw it to first, and I was like, this is a 70s, so I was like, 70s Dodgers, so I'm doing Vince Scully's voice in my head, and ground ball to Russell, he picks it up, he throws it to Garvey, and I'm like, my mom looks at me, and she goes, you better stop that, or you're going to throw that ball right through that window, and I'm like, I'm nine, I, I, told, I have total control over my body, and I'm like, you know, keep doing it, and finally, it just just release one. I mean, a window that big uh, and that important, right through it. You want to talk, you want to know what shame is and and fear and not a, a lack of confidence? It was that moment where our eyes met and she was like, I told you and I knew I was dead. And we just stared down and then I ran and she chased me up the stairs to the only locking door in the whole house. And I locked it and, and sat against it. Like, what, 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 what John's praying is, I don't want you to run in fear. I want you to come and embrace and it to be such a good thing. And so each week we've been trying to think a little bit about how do we, how do we get to that point of being confident and unashamed. And so each week we've looked at a big idea. And so here, here's what I, I want to share with you this week. Our big idea this week, if you want to write it down, is this. That a confident and unashamed church lives as children of God lives as children of God. 
And when Christians are identified as children of God, you have to understand something. This is a very significant title. It, 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 it describes something that happened in your history. It speaks of a moment, a decision, a, a, a something happened. In fact, as we kind of see through it, it and this is important uh, uh, as you think of this. I mean, you're, you, there's a moment in your life where you became a children of God. And this is hard. See, most of us, kind of the thinking of the world is where all the world is God's children. No, we're all God's creation. But becoming a child of God is the result of a decision you make to receive him in your life. It's a significant decision. It refers to an event that happens when you're born of God. Right? I mean, think of the, 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 the day you were physically born, right? Your mom calls you on your birthday at 6.30 in the morning. It's the one day you could sleep in. You, oh, hello. It was 6.30 in the morning. And my water broke. Bomb. Too much information. Your father drove me through traffic. And after 15 hours of excruciating pain, you came into the world and changed my life. Right, there was this moment, something happened, and you became the child of Mr. and Mrs. whoever it was. It didn't just kind of happen. And in the same way, becoming a child of God is a result of something happening. In fact, John speaks of it a couple times when he writes his gospel. If we were to look back in the Bible, when John uh, speaks of the, the life and teaching and ministry of Jesus, he speaks of a, a, a conversation that Jesus had. He's having this conversation with a man named Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is saying, I'm fascinated by your teaching and your miracles. I don't get it. And he says, of course you don't, unless you are born again. He says this. He says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So John 3, 3. So he says, unless this moment happens when you're born of God. In fact, he, he, he speaks of this, sort of this idea that there's this physical birth, but there's also a spiritual birth that happens. In fact, John described it this way, that he said this. He says, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so when we receive Christ into our lives, when we put our faith in him, something happens. And some of you can point to that moment. You can, say, you can point to that day. I mean, I point to September 9th, 1983. There was a day in which I didn't understand everything, but the, the Spirit of God made it known to me, and I, I responded. And now I can look and I can say, that day I was born, I responded to it, and I changed. Some of you would say, I, I, I don't know if I can put a day on it. All I know is I was once blind, but now I see. But you know something happened. You know something changed. You, you, you know something happened. And so becoming children of God is, is it's about something that happens, a decision that is made. In fact, next week we'll celebrate with a number of people who are going to celebrate that decision to follow Christ, to put their faith in him, to trust him. And, 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 and the, the, the beauty of baptism is that in, in some symbolic form shows what has happened in the spiritual world, that in our faith that our sins have been washed away. That our old life is gone and we've begun to live this new life as followers of Jesus. If you haven't made that decision yet, I want to encourage you to listen. Because today is that, can be that day where you can put your faith in him. You can be born into God's family. You can come and you can be a child of God. Not because it's, it's nice for everyone to say that. Because you know something happened. You were spiritually born. He placed his spirit into your life. And so to see this today, I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 2. 
And we're going to look at uh, just a few verses. Uh, go all the way down to verse 28. 1 John 2, 28. And if you need a Bible, they're right in front of you. Page 1,228 is the page. And we're going to read this a few verses. Last week we saw how important it was that we share our life with each other and, and with God. That we come to know each other and, and together that we would know God. And this week we want to see how important it is that we live out what it means to become his children. And so we read verse 28, and I believe it will be up here on the screen. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Well, in these last minutes together, what I want us to do is I want you to just think about two things. I just want to show you two things that I think are super important uh, from this passage about living as a child of God. And the first thing is this, as children of God, number one, live in his great love. Live in his great love. Now, John makes something known that, that our source, the, 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 the path to us becoming children of God is all, the source of that was the love of God. That everything that was put in place, the cross and everything that, that, that Jesus did for us, it was all motivated, all was sourced by the love of God. And we have become, we have become the children of God by this deliberate work that, that God has done for us. So look again at verse 1. Notice what he says. Chapter 3, verse 1, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Now, this is such a cool verse that I want you to take a second to notice a couple things. So when, when commentators started noticing and kind of looking at the writing, they, what they realized is this, is that John is having a moment here. He is having a, a, just like a, a burst of enthusiasm and how exciting he is to say what he's about to say. So what happens is, is as they started looking through all the, the writing and the tense and the verbs and everything has this particular order until it gets to verse 3 and then stuff kind of jumps off the page and it's out of order and the style changes and all these things are happening. And, and in English, we lose a little bit of it, but the first Greek word that's there when he wrote this is this. Look, look, behold. It's like he's, he's writing and then all of a sudden he, he just like, stop, look. Look at how great the love of God is. That he would make us his children. I mean, in the ancient times, it was common in some ways for a master to take on his servant, to adopt them in, to make that servant his son. And they, had, they received all the rights, all the privileges. And he's saying, look, 
He's taken us in. He has made us his children. And so there's this way in which he's, in essence, he's kind of interrupted everything he's written to say, whoa, whoa, don't go another moment before you take a moment to be astounded by what's happening here. And as he's caught up in it, he's, he's helping us see. There's, he says, look. And he says this, look at what love. Look at the, the, what great love. And that word there, what, is so interesting because what John is saying this, he's saying, this is so foreign. This is so, it, it's, it, the, literally the phrase is out of this country. It, it, is, it is otherworldly. No one does this. No one loves like this, if you truly think about it. In fact, it's the same phrase that, that we, we talked about last week. Remember we were talking last week that if you were here, uh, we were talking about this moment in Jesus' ministry where he calms the wind and the waves. And the disciples say, what? kind of authority is this that he can calm wind and waves? Who does this? Where is he from? And in the same way, John is saying this, who takes us in like this and makes us his children? Who loves us like this? Who can possibly love us like this? And he's so overwhelmed that he wants us to be it as well because you cannot live in the love of God until you are astounded by it, until you are amazed by it. Are you amazed? Are you astounded by the love of God and what he would do, what lengths he would go to to make you his children? And John says, stop, just first be amazed because if you'll be amazed, if you'll truly see it for what it is, you, you'll want to be consumed by it. You'll want your life controlled by it. You will be compelled by this love to live out your life. And, and John's hope is to startle you. It's to take your breath away. It's to amaze you. What kind of love is this? And it's a love in which he utterly takes all the initiative. And John, what John's so amazed of, and we'll see this more next week, is that one of the ways that John refers to God in this, in this book is that God is light. And in him there's no darkness at all. So he's pure and he's holy and he's truth. And yet John knows, and he knows about us, that we sin and we fall short of the glory of God. And so he takes these two things and he's realizing the separation. He says, who would, who would cause this separation? Who would fill this gap himself? What kind of love is this? And it's, it's wonderful because what he says, what you see in verse 2 is that this isn't wishful thinking, but he, 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 he's telling us about this, this eternal reality. Notice in verse 2 what he says is, and that is what we are. It's not just saying we're the children of God and it's kind of this fluffy poetic thing. He's saying, no, no, and that is who we are. And so he starts to explain the ramifications of this. And so learning to live in that identity as children of God is so important. So moms and parents, dads you can listen to, but moms, of all the identities, of all the identities that your kids could live in, where does child of God fit? Now I ask this because I, I realize for all of us, especially living here in Orange County and, and the challenges that we have, there are all kinds of identities that are important for us and all kinds of things we want to see our kids excel in. I, I, part of my doctoral work, I got to spend time with about 25 parents in our church. And they were, they were so gracious, so honest. And all of us 
ranked aspirationally, our aspiration was number one is spiritual excellence. We want our kids to know that they are loved by God and that being God's child and living in his life. And that's the most important thing. And we want to put all our resources behind that. But then when we measured ourselves and we said, where do our resources really go? Time, energy, money, priority. It was, it was downright scary. Because where spiritual excellence fell was like third to fourth for most people. Behind academics, behind athletics, behind performance. Like these, all these things, we would say, those are not the most important things in life. But in truth, they were the most important things of life. So gut check. Some of you are really young parents. You haven't screwed it up yet. Okay. Others of us, we've got to like go back and rework some stuff. What's most important? And John will tell you, man, if you would look at how amazing. Look, behold the love of God. He would make us his children. Are you kidding me? Who does this? If we could truly wrap our heads and hearts around this and we would say, oh, this is by far the most important thing that we could be after. The more amazed you become, the easier you'll find to live in that love and not for that love. So the first thing that I want to encourage you is live in that love. The second thing is children of God, imitate him, imitate him. Now, you and I know that children resemble their parents for good and for bad. Uh, so my son, Andrew, if you've ever uh, seen him or met him uh, and been around him, you know he's kind of like people joke. He's Bill, he is your mini-me. He is like your little miniature version of you. Like we have the same hair helmet. We have the, the same kind of quiet and kind of weird humor about each other. Like we make the same jokes. It's very interesting. We have a, a lot of the same tendencies. We look alike. We're both dead sexy. I mean, there's a lot of things where <laughs> we are we're very similar. Um, as children, we tend to resemble our parents. Notice what, what, what John writes. He says in verse 29 that if you know that he is righteous, that you know that, that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. So he says, look, if you see people who are living righteously like God, that, that's a, a fruit. That's an evidence of what goes down in the roots. It's, the fruit gives evidence to what the roots are, that, that you are born of him. And so we... we have this sense of his character. We show that when we show his character, we show that we're born of him. Now, one of these, this is one of these great things that, that you, as a child of God, you're growing. And you're growing into that character. And when you come to that moment of faith, at that moment, you don't have it all figured out. Okay, so give yourself some grace. But God in his grace begins to work in you. And here's one of the things that's so beautiful. So God in his love, he receives us as we are. But God in his love doesn't leave us as we are. And so he begins this work in us. And he's working and he's developing because he's developing in us his character. He's doing all these things. And one of the things that's so interesting is that John uses this kind of parental language that, that not just does life get put, put in you, but that he, his likeness gets put in you. And so you have this righteous gene so one of the things that should be true of you if you are truly born of God is that you do want the things of God. And sometimes guilt 
You feel guilt because you're, there's sorrow. The spirit, you, you grieve the spirit and there's sorrow because you, your life doesn't resemble what it should or you're not going after things. Because God is saying, I don't want this for you. I'm so much better for you. Just trust me. Just come with me. Just walk with me. And I promise you, I'll take you into the life that you were meant to live, the life that, that, that I've dreamed of for you. And, and what we see in this language, we see what John's writing is that this work and this, this identity and this reality of becoming like Christ is not a possibility. This is a promise. He is doing this. And someday we will be like him. Verse 2, he says, Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what will we be has not yet been made known. We're not there yet, he says. But here's what we know, that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then notice what he says in verse 3, that all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So someday we'll see him face to face in all his glory and we'll be like him. And so this gives us hope, but it also gives us this sense of drive, the sense of because this, that we, we, we want to be like this. This should push us to, to change it. Uh, more like him. Some of you have seen the, the cover of, I think it's the, the newest People magazine. Prince Harry's on the cover, I think, of, this, of the new People magazine. I don't know if you know who Prince, the, the ginger prince uh, there. So uh, he and his older brother, William, are sons of Prince Charles and Lady Diana, grandsons of Queen Elizabeth. And so as such, one day he may sit on the throne of Great Britain. And so from the very day he was born, uh, that possibility has, has existed. That's his destiny. And so it, it, it has, because that's his destiny, it has shaped him, his education, his social interaction, even his military service. So uh, when he was serving in the military, he was in Afghanistan and got a little too close to harm's way that it made him nervous. So they pulled him out. Why do they pull him out? That he shouldn't you know, face the same kind of stuff as everyone else? Well, it's because they believe of his, not just of who he is, but who he may be someday. And so as in that very same way, in that very same way, so as a prince, he's not just looked at as a prince today, but that he's looked at as someday the future king. And in the same way, we see the same kind of idea that you as a child of God is not just a declaration of who you are, but of who you are becoming and who you will be one day that you will also reign with Christ. And so... He urges us, because of this destiny, because of this, this life that is in you, let it work. Let it flow through you. Let, let him do his work and learn to let God make you more and more like himself. So how do we do this? What's our response? It's there in first, verse 28. It's our memory verse. The command is this, stay close. Stay close. So remember in verse 28, he says this, continue in him, continue in him. It's the same word that we saw a couple weeks ago, remain, abide. It's the vine and branches. And what we saw last week is the same thing that John is saying again. The most important thing I can tell you is this, stay close to God, be in a relationship with God. Everything else will make sense if, if that is the priority of your life. Because when you, when you stay close, the closer you get, the more astounded you are at his love for you. And the closer you get, the more you understand what, what he's doing in your life to help you imitate him. 
I, I thought about this when I, was, I moved into the dorms at Biola University. It was so interesting because these 30 guys that lived on this floor, you know, we all started talking alike and using the same like jargon and phrases. And, and we started to have shared interests and shared passions and, and, and shared activities. The, the closer we actually physically kind of stayed together, the more we became alike. And in the same way, he says, continue in him. That's the command. If you continue in him, then what you're going to see is you're going to become amazed at his love for you, that he's made you his child. And as his child, his nature is in you, his likeness is in you. And so he's helping that emerge so that you become more and more like him. And the world needs that. The world needs you to become more and more like him. And so stay close, stay close. Become amazed at his love. Become awed by his character. Friends, stay close. So let's pray for that. If this morning, you can't say with confidence, you can't say with assurance, I know without a doubt, I am a child of God that I just want to invite you in this moment to become a child of God. Matt, Matt did a great job of trying to help you kind of hear the language a little as he led you earlier in prayer to return to God. And that's where it begins. It begins with us recognizing that we're, we're not with God. We're not walking with him. We're not close to him. But we, it begins with a desire to say, I want to come to you. The Bible calls it repentance. It's turning the way we were going and turning towards him. And this morning, if that's what you want, you have to declare that in your heart. Lord, I'm turning from everything else and I'm turning to you. And you need to tell him, today, I want to become your child. I want to become a part of your family. I want your life in me. And he will receive you. And he will forgive your sin and wash it all away. And he will begin a work in you. Because what you're inviting is, you're inviting his life into yours. And if that's what you want, tell him that. And, and let me pray. And if this is your prayer, just so you can quietly pray with me. So Lord, this morning, we give you our hearts. And our prayer is to be your children not removed from you because of our sin, but to have you wash away our sin. Forgive it. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross for us. And we say to you, I believe, I believe that you've come for me and I believe you're coming again. And I want to be in your family and I want to be confident and unashamed on that day. And so take my life. Today I become your follower. And let me just give you 30 seconds. If there's something that has just created distance. We've already started talking and praying through the service. But as God has brought those things to light, if there's something he's brought to light, hand that over to him uh, before we sing these final songs.